Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. And I had a habit, a bad habit, and I, I kept thinking, God is going to kill me for this habit one night. I was like, I prayed, I confessed, I what? I promised God. I know that this only makes sense to younger people, or those who have ever been young. <laughs> that actually sounded funny. This is when I miss a live congregation where people can laugh. Please laugh on the emoji. Use an, a laugh emoji. So, <laughs> so I, I promised God you know, those days we would even write God letters and say, God, if I ever do it again, you even give God the right punishment. Strike me with lightning. Like, that's my preferred method of getting out of here. And then you, he doesn't strike you with lightning. Then one day when I was so fed up of my situation, I just said, I must be the worst sinner in this church. Let me just talk to my friend here and see if I can find help. So I confess to a friend of mine. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. In other words, don't die in your movie. So I talked to this friend of mine, and then we started meeting every Tuesday. We meet every Tuesday at lunchtime, one to two, and we would pray at a certain church. And those Tuesdays when we met, we fasted because we were meeting at lunchtime, so we didn't eat lunch. And then we just enjoyed fellowshipping and praying. And then one day, many months hence or later, it just hit me, what happened? I've never struggled with this thing again. In fact, not only struggled, it completely left my mind. Like, like when there's total deliverance, when the thing is so far from you that you forgot, I'm talking about real forgetting, that you once upon a time struggled with something. So, those things happen sometimes when you feel like you've run out of gears and then God just gives you a word of wisdom and you engage an extra gear and you find your solution. I hope my my prayer today in, in the midst of all this unbelief about coronavirus and everything and Everyone is running scared. I hope to stir up your faith to know that there is nothing impossible with God. Matthew chapter 17, I'm supposed to be reading, verses 14 to 21. Let's read together. It says, And and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to him, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I said to you, 
If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Father, thank you for the entrance of your word brings light. Thank you for opening our hearts and minds. Thank you because you have delivered us. You have conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of your love. Thank you because we do not operate in fear. We have stopped the fear. We are a people of faith. Thank you for your word declares that the just, the just shall live by faith. That the just shall not live by sight, but by faith. So we thank you for our faith is alive. Your word declares that this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So we bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. And everyone shouted, Amen. So, I got this from a website called Escape to Reality. And this guy says thus, imagine you had a successful ministry that saw you healing the sick and casting out demons everywhere you went, quite a bit like Pastor B3. Then one day, a father brings his son to you. The boy has a seizure right in front of you and you can't heal him. How would you react? Would you, A, conclude that it's not God's will to heal all the sick, B, tell the father that God can heal, but he is not going to heal your son right at this moment. Maybe in eternity. C, speculate that the son has some unconfessed sin in his life. D, declare that the boy is healed even though he is still writhing on the ground. Or E, be puzzled. <laughs> mm. What would you do? So, if you choose A, which is conclude that, that God is God's will, it is not God's will to heal all the sick. If you choose A, then you've built a theology based on your experience that is contrary to the promises of God. Because in Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Of 1 Peter 2.24 which says by his stripes we were healed. In other words, you have embraced a theology that's contrary to the promises of God. If you choose, if you choose B... B says, you tell the father God can heal, but he's not going to heal your son right at this moment, maybe in eternity. If you just be, then you've joined the ranks of those false comforters who say things like, God used to heal in the Bible, but now he's on a break. If you choose C, C you're speculating that a guy has some unconfessed sin in his life, then you're saying sin can stop the power of God, which it cannot. Otherwise, no sinner could get saved. If sin can stop the power of God, then there is no way we would get saved because for us to get into salvation in Christ, we come as what? Sinners. For, oh, for God demonstrates his own love for us, Romans 5, 8. In this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
So sin cannot stop the power of God. D, if you choose D, where you declare the boy is healed, but he's still rolling on the floor, the father would think you're nuts. And E, if you choose E, your puzzled, then your reaction is the same as the disciples when they were confronted by a similar situation. So let's go back to verse 14 to 16. Verse 14 to 16, which declares, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic, and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. This is the genesis of the problem. They brought the man, the young man, to the disciples, but they could not cure him. Now remember, verse 13 starts by saying, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him. Last weekend, we looked at a, a similar scenario, and this is the second time we are looking at a scenario where a person breaks through the multitude and comes straight to Jesus and presents the problem squarely to Jesus. Multitude Christianity is going to rob you of your victory and destiny. I will repeat that. Multitude Christianity is going to rob you of your victory and destiny. Faith is not designed to work for the multitudes. The Bible says God is looking for a man, for a woman who will believe him, not a multitude. Many of us are suffering in this COVID-19 season where we are stuck at home because we are used to practicing our faith with the multitude. We are used to practicing our faith at, a, at a church with lots of people or in a fellowship. And now you're home and you don't know what to do. Even though you have a Bible, you can read English. And you can use this time to be the greatest time of spiritual growth in your life. You're there complaining, whining, why things are not going your way. Why you can't go back to church quickly yet. Because you're used to multitude Christianity, we called it mobocracy last time. Mobocracy will kill your face because again we have a multitude. The woman with the issue of blood pushed through the multitude. Jairus called Jesus out of the multitude. Not everyone in the multitude is gaining anything out of the experience. Right here, you have another multitude gathered, and they are all just there. Maybe they are there to cheer. Some of you, I don't know what reasons, you go to church that have been robbed of you right now. Some people go to church to find hot babes or, hunk, or handsome dudes. That happens a lot at worship service because we have the most beautiful girls and the most handsome and rich dudes around town. Hands down sanitized moreover. But I can tell you that I don't know what it is that you're looking for in the multitude. But you need to figure out how to pull out of the multitude because a man came to him kneeling down and saying, have mercy on my son. He pulled out of the multitude. My brother, my sister, wherever you're watching from, whether that's in Nigeria, Kulambiro, Chitukwechirinya, Chitante, Chireka, where you get it, Wujiri, Hong Kong, wherever, Boston. I can tell you this for sure. I have never seen God move mightily in my life in the multitude. 
Every time I've made incredible progress in life, it's when I had to pull away and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. What do I need to do to move forward? And this is a great opportunity. Look at this lockdown not as a disadvantage. This is a great opportunity for you to pull out of the multitude. To pull out of the multitude. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Secret place. Conception doesn't happen in public. Conception doesn't happen in public. When you see someone's tummy getting a little rounded, a little bit like uh, uh, Mrs. Kamara's right now, just know that the causative factor happened in private. The results you see in public were conceived in private. The financial results you see in public in a man or woman's life were conceived in private. The ministry results you see in a, a man's life were conceived in public. The joyful, joy, peace, Calmness results you see in a man's life were conceived in public. Those songs you listen to and you get a sense that the Holy Spirit is in the room were not conceived in public. They were conceived in private. Have I been saying they were conceived in public? <laughs> Sorry. Private. Private. So please, I beg all, I beg all, get out of the multitude and go before Jesus. The second issue I want to address ourselves to is that moreover this man had already tried Jesus' men of God. He says, I brought him to your disciples but they could not cure him. The disciples were the closest ring of people around Jesus. And God has given the church, the church of Christ in this nation and beyond wonderful men and women of God, wonderful leaders who care for the church, for the bride of Christ, and are doing their best to disciple the church. However, sometimes we, the body of Christ, are creating unrealistic, unrealistic expectations and forgetting that the leaders cannot be everywhere, every time, and get it right on every occasion. It's time for you to learn how to stand on your own faith. Your man of God has their own lives. They have their own families. They have their own foibles. They have their own weaknesses they are taking before God every day saying, Lord, have mercy on me in this area. They have been given as a gift to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry. I want to speak to the church right now. Can we just give the men of God a break? Can we give the women of God a break? Anyway, right now we've been forced to give them a break. This is a great opportunity for you to grow in your faith because you've been bringing all these things to the disciples and now the opportunity is for you. Take it to Jesus. Your pastor is limited. Your man of God is limited. Your woman of God is limited by where they can be when. Don't wait for the situation to be so bad that you're waiting for them to reach you and they can't reach you and then you die in the process. Don't die in your own movie when you have Jesus. 
We have Jesus. All of us who are born again, we have Jesus. If you don't, if you don't yet have Jesus, I'm going to lead you into receiving Jesus at the end of this. But give the man of God a break. See what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 11 to 16. Ephesians 4 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, I know I'm doing a good job when you start looking more and more like Jesus. When you're growing in the character and competencies of Christ. When initially you bring to me all the cases for me to pray for you. Maybe you have, say, 10 cases a month. Then the next month you bring 8. The next month you bring 6. The next month you bring 4. 2, then you stop bringing. Why? you now know how to take care of it. Not only that, you know how to take care of it for others. Because then you have grown to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'll move on. But see, the disciples had already been doing a lot of ministry and had healed the sick and cast out lots of demons. Okay? Okay. Let's get back to, to, to Matthew, Matthew 17. So, uh, so the, this event, when they say, they say, I brought them to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Please understand that this wasn't the common thing. The disciples, this, this event in the larger scheme of things is happening towards Jesus' crucifixion. So in other words, for more than three years, the disciples had been healing the sick, cleansing lepers, what? They had seen lots of miracles. They had cast out demons everywhere they went. At some point, they came back and they rejoiced, telling Jesus, oh my God, I don't know how you tell Jesus that. I think that's right. Oh my God. Demons have been fleeing like crazy. And Jesus is like, wow, yeah, yeah, that's of course what is expected. However, rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so this thing puzzled them because they had been coming across demons and they had been casting them out. But this one proved a little stubborn. I'll get back to that later. So let's go to Matthew 17, uh, 17 to 18. Let's move forward with two more verses. So now remember, they brought the what? They, they can't cure him. The father comes to Jesus. He's like, multitude, out. Men of God, out. Let me go to God. So, leave the multitude. As you mature, go past the men and women of God and show up in the courts of heaven yourself and say, I am here. I am here. I want to put right this mess in my extended family. I am here. I am going to make sure that people in this family start getting married properly, starting with me going forward. I am here. This business of poverty and little money, when our extended family gathers, there's only one car and it is a you what? Yeah. I am here. Yeah, you need to show up in the courts of him, my friend. That's what you need to do. So this man shows up right before Jesus. Like, I, I, tried, I was with the crowd, situation bad. I 
came to your people, situation bad. Now I've come to you. Then Jesus answered and said, <laughs> okay, no, that's not what Jesus said. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just so funny to read it. So Jesus, <laughs> so Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. <laughs> and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Oh, oh, oh. So the way most of us think Jesus is or should be, you know, we've recreated him in our own image, in our own fancies. Uh, I think it is, it's Philip Yancey who said, God created man, and uh, in the beginning, God created man, and man has been trying to return the favor since. Uh, God created us, uh, no, God created man in his image, and man has been trying to return the favor since. God created us in his image, and we have been trying to recreate God in our image for forever. For some of us, Jesus is that sweet brother that you grew up without. Now you found him. Even when you think, I found a new life. I found a new life. If anybody asks you, what's the matter with you, my friend? <clears throat> Tell them that you're Holy Ghost found, I found a new life. <laughs> and then Jesus tells you, okay, get up, move, I need some business done. And you're like, Jesus, for, be, be for real? Really? <laughs> that's how many of us, we, that's our perception of Jesus. So in this situation, uh, uh, we, we already know what Jesus should be doing. We've decided for him. Wait, wait, wait. So, uh, yeah, yeah, here we are. So, so the, most of, the way most of us think about Jesus is, is like this, yeah? They, they, so these guys, they've been doing ministry, what, what, casting out demons, what? Quick, but they have served Koi. Eh? Then Jesus comes down from the mountain and this demon, it has jumped. Hmm? Timo, this is what most people expect Jesus to be like. Oh, sorry, Timo. Oh, did you try the demon casting out manual? Uh, did you try part A, Roman numero three? And it didn't. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know I shouldn't even have let you deal with this demon. It's complicated. Hmm? I shouldn't have let you deal with this sickness in your body. It's complicated. I shouldn't have let you deal with this struggling marriage. It's complicated. I shouldn't have let you deal with this uh, situation in your extended family. It's complicated. Those friends of yours who don't like you, it's complicated. You should even have called me on my WhatsApp quicker. <laughs> Don't worry, anyway, let me deal with it. For you, just, just be playing cocky board, Timo. I'm preaching better than you're listening. I love this someone. I'm going to listen to it myself after because I need to repent. So, <laughs> For many of us, that's how we are going about this thing with Jesus. 
We just want to be lie down and be like, mm. <laughs> it has jumped. Jesus, where are you? Come quickly. My friend, what did he tell them? Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? He rebukes them for their unbelief. He rebukes them for their belief, unbelief. No doubt Jesus is the kindest and most loving person who ever walked the face of the earth. The kindest. But unbelief got to him. If you wanted to get to Jesus' nerves, come with unbelief. It got to him. Especially by those who should know better. Those who have worked with him for a while, they had been with him three years. Christian, are you leading the social media unbelief blitz? There is a blitz on social media right now and it is read by Christians since we are the majority in this nation and most of it is unbelief. And we expect Jesus to understand. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think the Savior thinks about it? That this precedent takes, t- tells us it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing to walk in unbelief. He rebuked the disciples when they were on that boat and they were shaking because it was sinking. He's like, what's wrong with you? Huh? What's wrong with you? He rebuked them sharply. Let me tell you, the thing that hurts God the most is being not believed. The thing that hurts God the most is not being believed. So he, 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 chopped, he chopped wires. He wasn't like, oh, sorry, bad demon, bad day. No, he chopped wires for them. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. I can imagine how God has been dealing with me in some areas. I know he has been chopping wires for me. He's like, Mose, you should know better. Yeah? We've been at this for enough time. Why are you crying out to me? Oh, faithless. I'm sorry, this doesn't sound so encouraging, but I'm just trying to stop your faith. I'm trying to get you to understand how the dynamics of heaven work. That you just rolling over and trying using prayer as a mechanism to report the devil to God is not going to help you. Prayer is not your opportunity to report the devil. My friend, God expects you to be taking territory. Some people are just reporting to headquarters. <laughs> headquarters, take territory. Take territory. Get poverty out of your family. Get sickness out of your body. Get wherever out. Get, get back that marriage on track. You're there complaining. Let me tell you. They are, the Bible says those who know their God shall do exploits. The time has never been more ripe than now for the people who know they are going to be clearly differentiated. Just a thought, I shared this in business card, I'll share it now. I, it came to me last night that Jesus was the most generous person that ever lived on the face of the earth. It is impossible that there could have been a person who is more generous than Jesus. And yet we have no record of Jesus giving people anything. Apart from the time when he multiplied the bread and the fish. Why? Because I believe that he did it in private. 
So in this coronavirus season, people are doing a lot of generosity, helping out your, your neighborhoods, etc. Can you please, because you are not a hypocrite, the Bible says the hypocrites, they shout it on top of the mountain when they've given. Because you are not a hypocrite, please do it and do it quietly. Because it says if you shout about your giving, you have got your reward, recognition. But if you give in private, the Father who sees in private will reward you openly. Me, I'm going to wait for those open rewards. I'm not going to bend to political pressure of what is your church doing, what are you pastors doing, you mother, what are you doing? It's not your, none of your business what I'm doing. It's between me and the Father. Anyway, let's move on. Panang. So, in Mark's account of this same story, the father of the boy cries out and tells Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. After Jesus tells him that all things are possible if he only believes. So your challenge and my challenge is not that we don't have faith. Because remember, Jesus later on says, they say, why didn't we, why couldn't we cast him out? And he says, because of your unbelief. He doesn't say because you didn't have faith. No, faith is not the problem. We have the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2.20 says, I, I, I live the life that I, I now live in the flesh. I live according to the faith of the Son of God, King James Version. Romans, 10, uh, Romans 12 says that we have been given the measure of faith. Peter, 2 Peter says, 1, 1 says that those who have received like precious faith with us. In other words, the faith you and I have is the same that Peter had, the same that Paul had, the same that Jesus had. The faith is the same. Faith is the same. It's not like Mose has different faith, Bithri has different faith, Jeremy has different faith, Ari has different faith. No, it is the same measure of faith. Moreover, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, in others, tiny little, whiny, tiny faith, you can move a mountain. So what is it about this demon? The issue is not faith. Faith you have. Do you know how I know you have faith? You are born again. You can't be born again and you don't have faith. Because how did you become born again? You are a believer. To believe, you must have faith. So the issue is not faith. The issue is unbelief. Your faith, my faith, is mixed with a lot of unbelief. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And unbelief comes by hearing also, hearing the world. When you have more knowledge of what happens in the world than what happens in the world, you're going to have both faith and unbelief coexisting. And while your faith is active, your unbelief is also active. There is no innocence in these matters. There is a reason why you have the results you have. There is a reason why I have the results I have. I'm not saying mine are really good. I want them to be better. But there is a reason why we have the results we have. And it has nothing to do with faith because faith we have in abundance it is the unbelief that's mixed with faith. When you get your Fanta and then you add in Coke and then you say, eh, Fanta Coke? No, look, it, you've mixed. So don't be there acting shocked that your Fanta tastes like Coke. No, you mixed. You punched the stuff. So don't be there thinking that your faith, your faith, you are acting on your faith, you're praying, you're, in fact, you're not just praying, you are Pray, you know, there is prayer, then there is prayer. You are even in prayer, but then it tastes like unbelief. Why? You poured the cock in the Fanta. I know I'm making sense to some people right now. 
You pour the coke in the Fanta. So how do you get your Fanta to taste like Fanta? Don't pour coke in it. Simple and easy. There's a great preacher who lived in the earlier part of the last century. His name is Smith Wigglesworth. I think currently, I think he still has the biggest record of, apart from Jesus, of raising dead, the dead back to life. I think he raised like, what, eight people, 18? Some number like that. He was from England. Smith, Smith was a different thing altogether. He had a faith. You know, some of you, you've never read about Smith Wigglesworth, so go and read about Smith Wigglesworth. That's a very good use of Google, reading about people of faith, as opposed to finding out more information about coronavirus, because you are not a researcher. Let the researchers give us the data. Anyway, I've left there. Let me go back to Smith Wigglesworth. So Smith Wigglesworth, this guy was bad. He was bad. I read a story recently how they went to visit some friends of them. There's, he and another guy, ministry partner, they were doing the afternoon rounds. Then they, they went to visit some friends and they were supposed to have tea. Then they found that one of the guys had died and the body was right there in the living room. He went right past the tea table, picked the guy's body and put it against the wall and said, Leave! <laughs> and then he left the body and walked away. And the body, what? Fell. He came picked up the body. He shook that body, banged it again. How can you defy me? I've seen it! The guy escorted them outside, out of the, out of the house. And check. These are historical records. One time he was doing a meeting and then they brought a woman who was crippled and sick. And so he was standing on one side and they brought the, the lady. Then he said, stand up. And they said that she can't stand. Then, so he said, let her, release her. So they released her and she fell. Say, pick her up, release her. Do that. Pick her up, release her. Pick up. Around the first time, a gentleman shouts out from the crowd, You cruel bastard, how can you be doing that to them? He shot back and said, Sir, mind your business, and I'll mind mine. Pick her up, release her. On the seventh time, pick up, release her, and the thing, the, the whole growth that was on the inside just fell to the floor. And she walked free. And you wonder, where do people get that kind of courage and faith? Now, some of you know Rod Parsley. Rod Parsley's spiritual father is a, a preacher who was called Lester Summerall. And Lester Summerall was mentored by Smith Wigglesworth. So Lester Samuel tells the story of when he went to Smith Wigglesworth's house and he had gone to visit and he had the newspaper uh, under his arm. Please don't Google Smith Wigglesworth now. We are still 
in the message. So Smith, Smith tells Lester, that doesn't come in here. I'm talking about a newspaper. That, that doesn't come in here. The only thing we read in this house is the Bible. What? Now imagine how many newspapers do you have on your phone right now and other contrary information. That explains why you are experiencing the results you're experiencing. So, let's just say, what? So you had to leave the newspaper outside. Smith Wigglesworth never allowed any literature that was contrary to the word of God into his house, and he never read it, not one single time. The only thing he read was the Bible. He was an uneducated man who was illiterate, and he was taught how to read and write by the Holy Spirit. That's why this guy had the results he had, because he had no room for unbelief mixed with his faith. So Lester tells a story. This is how they used to go about it. He would go visit him, and then from like eight, they would pray for 30 minutes, read the Bible for 30 minutes. Pray for 30 minutes, read the Bible for 30 minutes. Pray for 30 minutes, take a break. Then pray 30 minutes, read the Bible. Pray, then have lunch, and then go out for ministry in the afternoon. My friend, unbelief must live. Faith you have, unbelief you have, what steps are you going to take to reduce the undesirable part, which is the unbelief? I'm starting to, is this the first finish? Yes, this is the first finish. Let's get to Matthew 17, 19 to 21, the, the last scripture, the last portion of the scripture. Then the disciples come to Jesus privately and said, why could, not we cast, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Say it with me, because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, in other words, the faith doesn't need to be so big. It's the unbelief. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. Next, next verse. It says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, wow, let me see. Let me see, let me see. So they asked again in private. Remember, they figured out something. There's something we are not doing right that this guy is doing. Out there. But they didn't ask there. They waited to first get back in private. They came to Jesus Privately, Have you gone to Jesus privately? What, whatever is not happening, go to Jesus privately. He will tell you. Go and ask Jesus. Nay, Jesus. You said we will do this, we will do that, we will do that. And I've been trying. Now you think, what's going on? Privately. Vamos cavuyo. Get out of the curiosity. There is a reason why the shallow end is full of people in the swimming pool. You're there running into all sorts of bodies. Those who can swim, those who paid because they can afford, but they know nothing about it. Those, if you go to the deep end, you'll not struggle. Gamba mono vamo shallow. Mogamba alia wawo mwaka. Mogamba vamo shallow, vamo shallow, vamo shallow. To gain the deep end. Shallow end, you can't even dive. You, you know, in the shallow end, there is something interesting. The whole, it's called the swimming pool. Yeah? Swimming pool. 
But do you know what people do at the shallow end? They don't swim. They walk in the water. They've turned it into a walking pool. Kakati gwoli awo, olimulokole, obadde mulokole, miyaka minji, na yoli mshalo end. And you're wondering, no one is swimming. Yeah, because it's a shallow end. People can afford to walk. That's why you have a lot of people in church. They are just walkers in a swimming pool. Kanve wawo. So they asked in private, church gang, Jesus, why can't we ask? Cast out this whole thing. So why? They were puzzled because there was contrary evidence. So you also, my friend, you may have some contrary evidence right now looking at you, contrary to the word of God. And, and even in some of the success you have previously had is not showing up. You're like, I used to do this thing successfully. Yeah. What happened? Get private with Jesus. I am going to get private Jesus with Jesus. You had better get private with Jesus. Find out why isn't it working. There is no point being mad at God. Look, the people who are the most mad at God are the people who shouldn't be mad at God. People are mad at God when they've completely ignored his word. And when they're getting contrary results, they are mad. Look, if you plant beans, eh, you should expect to reap beans. Now, if you plant beans, and then the harvest comes back as beans, and then you're mad at God. Even God is like, oh my God, you planted beans. Yeah? You've been planting that trash in your life. You even pay for it. You pay to consume unbelief through whatever streams you consume it. Through television, through the internet. You're paying to suck up unbelief. You're, you're, you're paying to have the sewage of the world run through your soul and you are complaining to God about your results. It's not fair to God. I've got some contrary results myself sometimes, but guess what? The last person I'm going to complain to is God because I know for sure that it is my input that's giving me my output. Trash in, trash out. So again, what does this say? The answer is what? Unbelief. All right? It's unbelief. So now, I want us to deal with this issue. Bulunji and we settle. We put it to bed. Why couldn't, we, why couldn't they cast out the, the demon? What's the answer? Unbelief. Why, why, couldn't, why couldn't they cast it out? Unbelief. It's not because they were not praying and fasting. Because some people think that some demons only go by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting wasn't the answer. He says, why couldn't we cast it out? He didn't say because we are not praying and fasting. No. He says, because of unbelief. Then he says, this kind of unbelief, not demon, goes out only by prayer and fasting. You don't have any biblical record of demons where some demons are subject to the name of Jesus and some are not. There is not a single demon that doesn't respond to the name of Jesus. So the demon is not the issue here. The unbelief is. So when he talks about this kind does not go except by prayer and fasting. He's, talk, he's talking about a kind of unbelief, not a kind of demon. I know that's caused a lot of quietness where you are. Because you have always rushed through thinking, okay, prayer and fasting. Now, whichever way you choose, whether you believe it's the demon or the unbelief, the point is the solution is the same. It's prayer and fasting anyway. So 
the solution is the same. On the obedience side of things, the solution is the same. But let me just create some clarity for you about the unbelief, and then I'm going to be finishing with this, and then we'll do communion and we'll be ending. So, from my research so far, there are three kinds of unbelief. Three. The first kind of unbelief is due to ignorance. You just don't know. Most people do without because they don't know. If you don't know, you will do without. If you don't know that God loves you, you will do without it. If you don't know that God heals the sick, you will do without it. If you don't know, you don't know. And when you don't know, you don't even know that you don't know that you don't know. And so, how do you get it through knowledge? The Bible declares that faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. 10, 17, not, not 7. Okay? Faith comes by hearing. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. 2 Peter 1, 3. So knowledge is, the, is, is how you solve the unbelief of lack of knowledge. Yeah. How shall they, how shall they believe if they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? He asks in Romans chapter 10. So most people don't, don't believe because they don't know. No knowledge, no faith. No knowledge, no faith. So ignorance produces lots of unbelief. There was a time you didn't know certain things and because you didn't know certain things, you didn't experience them. You can only ex- experience is produced by knowledge. Knowledge is not derived out of experience, but rather experience is, the, is produced by knowledge. So, you, 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 you solve that problem by learning. How do you solve the unbelief of ignorance? By learning. By learning. Okay? What you don't know won't hurt you. It will kill you. So that's type one. Type two of unbelief is unbelief due to bad theology or teaching. When you've been taught that God no longer heals, how do you believe God for healing? When you've been taught that God is angry and is punishing you with sickness and poverty, how do you turn to the same angry God in faith for a solution? When you have been taught that God is your enemy, how do you go to the same person to help you? We don't go to our enemies for help, we go to our friends. Jesus said, I am your friend. I've called you friends, not enemies. The world has been taught bad things about God. Even right now, people think God is the one behind the coronavirus. He says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. How can the person who is for life and abundant life be the one coming up with coronavirus? It's God is not the one. God is not the one behind the coronavirus. And the, be, the quicker you get to that place, the better you are to fight it. It's not God. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Look, God created gravity to be of benefit to us, so that you can walk, run, whatever. When you go to the top of the building, 
and you use the same gravity that God created for purposes of, 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 of propulsion, and, and you jump off singing, I believe I can fly. <laughs> and then at your funeral, we start saying, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not the Lord who has taken away. It's your own misinterpretation of the laws of gravity. And the fact that when you jump off that building, you start going down with an acceleration of 9.8 meters per second squared minus wind resistance. So it's not God. Bad theology has robbed people of their destiny. Jesus taught in Mark 7, 13 that we make the word of God of none effect because of our traditions. Yeah, he says, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and so many such things you do. When you embrace tradition and you just do things because they told you to do them, you make the word of God of no effect. Let me ask you, which Christian tradition do you belong to and what have they taught you that makes the word of God of no effect that contributes to unbelief. So unbelief one is ignorance. How do you correct it? Knowledge. Unbelief two is bad theology. How do you correct it? Repentance. You have to repent from your bad theology. I am one of those who believe that God is angry. He sits somewhere. He has a long white beard. He has a baseball bat. And that baseball bat is elastic. In other words, it can't miss you. Even if you run far, it will somehow elongate and reach you and put you in your right place. It never helped me until I came to the knowledge of the awesome, all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love God. Oh, it chases me down. Fight still I'm found, lives the 99. I couldn't have it, I don't deserve it. Till you keep yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. Man, when I found out that, Everything started working in my life. My marriage got healed. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. What was a terrible, terrible, terrible three-year ordeal of a marriage became awesome. It's now 17 years. Uh, mm, I became happy. <laughs> I became happy. Money started chasing me. Uh, good friendship started chasing me. Uh, ministry became enjoyable. Things changed and now I'm looking forward to many 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 years hence going to heaven and just chilling out with Jesus and asking him lots of questions why because I now know that my father loves me endlessly some of you are there you've been mistaught about this God of ours and you gave up going to church long ago and now church thankfully has come where you are and we are to tell you Banange, the Lord loves you God is not mad at you God is mad about you he gave the very best for you. 
He wants to heal you. He wants to heal your marriage. He wants to heal your business. He wants to heal your finances. He, he, God is always trying to figure out how to bless you. That's the only thing on his mind, blessing you. Absolutely. The only thing on God's mind is blessing you. So don't believe. Don't believe the report of the enemy. Paul killed the church because of wrong teaching. Paul was a radical. He was murdering people who followed Jesus. Why? Because he was taught wrongly. And he had to repent. He had to repent. You can also repent today. Now, I'm out of time. So let me talk about the third kind of unbelief. The, the, the third unbelief is the natural unbelief that is caused by contrary situations. Including the one that the world is facing right now, COVID-19. It produces natural unbelief. Why? Because those contrary situations, they produce fear. Naturally, you start off believing. You hear the word of God, I am the Lord that heals you, what, what, what? And like, yes, yes. Then the evidence shows up. I'm like, what? Does this work? These people were praying for the boy. They had been praying for people. Things were happening. Then they found this boy. <laughs> they prayed for him. Poof. Became epileptic. What? Foaming at the mouth. When you start seeing that stuff, eh? you start saying, eh, 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 eh? Jesus, where are you? That's the kind of unbelief he's talking about here. Unbelief that gets into doubt, starts off believing, and switches to unbelief because of contrary situations. Remember Peter, he was walking on water? Peter was walking on water. Jesus told him, he's done who told Jesus, if you are the one, bid me to come. He said, yeah, dude, come. So he gets onto the water. And he's walking. Then what, the, what happens? He looked around and saw that the water, were, the waves, the, it was boisterous. He started doubting. He started sinking. And Jesus rescued him. What contrary things, what contrary evidence has been presented to you that has now caused you to disbelieve? And do you know how you deal with this unbelief? <laughs> Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is what deals with this unbelief that comes because of natural contrary circumstances. Remember, there is no demon that cannot bow to the name of Jesus. But once you're praying for that person and they start rolling on the floor and speaking like a man when they're a woman and hissing like a snake, if you've not been in fasting mode, you're going to quit. So, it's very simple. That's it. That's how we move to this place of, I'm going to see this thing through. When you fast, you subject your body, your emotions. You're telling your body you're no longer in charge. I am. Some of you, your body has been in charge for so long, you don't even know where to start. You're telling your mind, I'm in charge. Your body, I'm in charge. You've got nothing to contribute right now. I'm in charge. You're not having breakfast today. And then at lunchtime, you're like, no lunch. Okay, here is some little water. Keep quiet. That's how you go about it. This kind does not go except by prayer and fasting. Right now, uh, those who follow the traditional church calendar, they've been fasting. Maybe you don't follow the traditional church calendar. 
you need to start fasting. At least fast cocoa. You, you also go to Jesus and say, man, what? Why couldn't I cast it out? Some of you, you fought your, your, your spouse for long enough. Now is the time to fast. Mm. Some of you, the report in your body is not good. You know fasting actually boosts your immunity. Now is a good time to start fasting. Embrace this lifestyle of prayer and fasting, and you're going to see your faith move to the next level. Let me ask, tell you something. Prayer and fasting does not move God at all. God does not need any moving. God is not the one who's stuck. God is not the one who's stuck. You're the one who's stuck. So prayer and fasting doesn't move God. It moves us into what God has already provided by grace. Prayer and fasting are, 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 are key thing to crank up our faith so that we can move into what God has provided by grace. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Why don't we pray right now? Father, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you. Thank you for your word. Thank you because we are moving from unbelief to faith in the name of Jesus. Thank you because you have already provided for everything that we need for life and goodness. So we bless you. And friend, wherever you are right now in that home, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do that right now, right now, right now. You're going to give your life to Jesus now. There are people who are ready to receive Jesus right now, right there in your homes. Yes, yes, you there in that bedroom. I can see you. You're ready to receive Christ in that sitting room. Yes, you might be sitting with others who already gave their lives to Christ and you're thinking, eh, eh, can I do it now? Yes, you can do it right now. Do not suspend this. This is your opportunity. Why continue living in fear and with all the speculation around? You don't need speculation right now. You need faith. You need to walk with Jesus. You, you need... Uh, thank you. Thank you, Father, for those who are giving their lives to Jesus. In fact, right where you are, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith. Uh, this is weird because we are online, so I can't see you, but you can see me. If you want to give your life to Jesus, no, you want to give your life to Jesus. It's not a question of if you want to give your life to Jesus right now, I want you to put your hand up where you are. Just put it up. Just put it up. Put it up. Put it up now. Put it up now. Yes, come on. Put it up. Even if you are in that sitting room, even if you are alone in a bedroom, still put this, your hand up. Put, put that hand up right now in the name of Jesus. Yes. And pray this prayer after me. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the life that you've given me today. Thank you. I give up my own ways and I come to you. I receive your free gift of salvation. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Help me take this journey with you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Fill me with a special gift of faith that I will face every situation with courage and not with fear. I bless you, Lord. I honor you today. Thank you for the life you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.